everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, this is Jen, and we're back with part two of this amazing and enlightening interview with none other than my parents. Larry and Jana King. Um, it was so good, you guys, that we spread it out over two episodes because I don't know if this is going to surprise you, but they like to talk as much as I do. Like the apple didn't fall too far from its trees. So thanks for joining us for the second half of our parenting chat with my mom and dad. They are hysterical and inspirational. And it was a lot of fun for me to go down memory lane with them and recall a few stories I honestly hadn't even thought about in years. So that was amazing. Um, Plus, the call-in questions from you guys, our very beloved listeners, was just icing on the cake. So thanks for joining us here for round two. So without any further ado, let's jump back in. Here's a good question. This is another question um, from a listener. Hi, this is Leslie calling from Washington State, and my question is, what is your best advice for dealing with sibling rivalry? <laughs> do you do you know anything about that? <laughs> oh, uh, okay, so um, my mom died when y'all were young, um, yeah. so I didn't have my mom that I could call and ask questions. So one day I called my aunt, my mom's sister, and I said, Aunt Donna, Mm -hmm. will there ever be a time that my children will like each other Mm -hmm. and not hate each other every single day and fight and scream and kick each other and whatever? And my aunt started laughing. She went, let one of them go away to school and things will calm down. And let two of them go to school and you'll be surprised at how much they like each other. And so I clung to that Mm. idea because it, it was not fun in our house on a lot of occasions, particularly when somebody borrowed clothes that they had not gotten permission to borrow. Oh my gosh. That was cause for absolute civil war. Yeah. Yeah. And, and our rule was <laughs> you can fight, but you can't kick with your heels. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so like listeners, if you want to know how low the bar was set, there it is. Like do what you want, but don't kick with your heels. That's all we ask. I mean, oh my gosh. Oh, we didn't like biting either. <laughs> biting was mean, but I mean, you're going to fight. So oh, That's so funny. Of course, the the classic time was when all four of you were going at each other, and I just stood in the middle of the room and screamed at the top of my lungs. No words, just screaming. And all four of you looked at me, and I went, ah, I can't take any more. <laughs> and you all started laughing. No, it broke the spell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget that as long as I live. I wrote it in some book. It just to see our mom and mom, you're the mild, you're the mild personality in the family. If we had to pick one, you're kind of the steady Eddie. You're not hysterical. Like the rest of us, you don't, you're not prone to like fits of emotion, (laughs) like literally every one of the rest of us. And so you're not the one we expected to see standing there in the middle of the living room, (laughs) screaming at the top of her lungs for 10 seconds. It stunned (laughs) us to this day. I can't believe you did it. And it was so shocking that we had no other option but just to burst out laughing. 
I think even you did. Oh, I'm pretty sure I did. Um, we were so loud. Oh my gosh, we were so loud. But you know what? Aunt Donna was right. That is the way it arced. Like I remember going to college, and it's like a, it's like a mm-hmm. miracle pill. All of a sudden, you miss your family. Yeah. You miss your siblings. You're happy to come home for two or three days and spend time with them. And we've seen that here. Um, you know, I, the last time Gavin was um, like home for spring break, I remember watching him. And you know, he and he and Caleb could just fight like just just savage, you know? Yeah. And it, he, I remember watching him with Caleb right behind him, Ben right behind Caleb, like the, like the Pied Piper just leading his little charges. And they just followed him everywhere, followed him out to his room, followed him out to the car to went to the car shows together. And it was like college just fixed it. Um, and then when, once we were all out, adulthood was just the best time of our lives. Being adult sibling yes. is my favorite thing. So much fun. I know. So maybe the um, advice you're giving is just weather there, it. There's nothing else parents. you can do <laughs> just, because it's going to happen and you just live through it. <laughs> yes, you do. You do. And it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It's just normal. It's, so we, you know, you may have that one family that's friends of yours and all their kids get along. I'm telling you right now, that's rare. Like, right. uh, trust me kids just fight and they will grow out of it. So, okay, here's the next question. And so this is hilarious. Just when I think we've kind of made it over the hump here. Well, I'll just play it. Hi, this is Lindsay, your favorite daughter calling from New York City. And my question is this, all your most exceptional children got nicknames. Mine is Nan, Courtney's is Poppy, and Drew Boy's is Hobbies. How did each of us get our nicknames, and why is Jen the boring one without one? Larry? So what are you asking? <laughs> How did these nicknames come by? Why, do we, why is Lindsay's nickname Nan? Why is Courtney's nickname Poppy? Why is Drew's nickname Hobbies? Those make no sense. They have no bearing on their actual names. <sighs> these nicknames, I believe I'll have to defer to Mom because yes. I... I still am probably the only one that calls you Jennifer. Yes, that's true. You call us all by our given names. And and so where all of these came up from, I don't know. That's actually true, Mom. Dad never does our nicknames. <laughs> um, you're, you, you know the nickname stories. I do. Um, when we were in Louisiana, we had our good close friends, Dave and Prissy Wilson, whose youngest daughter, Taylor, just couldn't get your names she was she was tiny of course but when she would say when Lindsay's name would came up she would called her nansa 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 and and so nan came from nansa from nansa but she also couldn't say courtney so she called her potney Potney. and so for years she was pots and then Mm -hmm. Lindsay, who does this more than anybody. She changed yes. it to Poppy. Which doesn't make sense, but it doesn't no have sense, to. But, it, but yes. it's a Lindsay name for her sister. Yes, so we still call her Poppy. And she, and it was Lindsay that came up with Drew's name, Hobbies, because she decided she'd call him Hophead. And Which actually has, is nonsensical. It's completely nonsensical, but it made him yes. so mad that she yes. kept saying it. <laughs> and so yes. he eventually turned into hobbies and, and really you, gr- yes. you guys are the only ones that really call them that mostly. 
No, nobody else no. would have any no. idea. And Drew never, ever called me by my name. He calls me JK. That's right. Which is what I was called on the ball field. And I was going to say, you you had a uh, good friend that played softball with you. And her dad always called you JK and ended up calling you Jake all through high school. Jake. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you did have a name. And I was called that too. Uh-huh. Through high school years. But after that, it didn't. It's true. And I do... I do have to tell Drew that I haven't had the last name King since 1993, <laughs> but he is unmoved. He's unmoved. JK it is. Um, yes, we're, we're a nickname family and we give other people nicknames. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's endearing. If we've ever given you a nickname, then that just means That's we love exactly you. Right. Okay. Here's some more serious stuff. I wrote um, a blog a couple of years ago um, called our parenting yeses and no. So here's a little excerpt from what I wrote. I said, you know what I didn't understand about parenting? No one knows what they're doing. We have no idea if we're reacting correctly or making appropriate choices or parenting right or striking the proper balance. Did we discipline when we should have shown grace or relent when we should have clamped down? Are we getting the technology thing right? Do we give our kids too many or too few chores? Do we allow boyfriends and girlfriends in eighth grade? Is our kids curfew appropriate? If we don't enroll him in SAT prep class, is he doomed? We're just kids who grew up and had babies ourselves. What the blazes do we know? Parenting is less stratego and more chance than we ever imagined. We're flinging way more stuff at the wall to see what sticks than we let on. I second guess around 72% of my parenting decisions. So sure, we mostly have no idea what we're doing as parents, but we can decide on a few yeses and nos that frame up our family rhythms, that prioritize the better things, even if the kids disagree now, and that help our children prefer treasures that will last. So to that idea, I wonder if you can talk about what some of your parenting yeses and nos were. Hmm. King. Take it. You want me jump in yes. on this one first? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And we met, we probably only had a handful that were kind of these are our family staples, and everything else is kind of gray and squishy. But what were some of the things that was always going to be a yes for you, and some of the things that were probably like these are these are no's in the family? One certainly deals with discipline, uh, and and discipline is a part of parenting and and I am certainly at odds with those that think you don't do anything at all and stifle the little one's creativities not to get upset over the act but discipline the disobedience and mm. that called for the same type of discipline for the same problem disobedience mm. and the act it shouldn't vary on how mad it made you now certainly different courses of action carry different consequences and consequences can be more uh, severe or greater than others but don't discipline in anger and uh, I always if you'll remember as you all grew the discipline changes to match your age level. Several times I would discipline wrong or uh, didn't believe you. I don't know what it would be. It could be any number of things that would come up, but I would have regrets about something I did and uh, would come up and tell you I was sorry. I didn't handle that right or I was wrong in what I did. And I always felt that, and I would tell your mom this, that it would make us look 
mm. human to mm. our kids mm -hmm. that we make mistakes just like they do. And we get our discipline in the adult world in different ways, but it can hurt all just the same. I think that's right. What do you think, I hun? think those were hard yeses and um, hard nos. We expected from you kids, and it should apply equally as well to parents as well, and I sort of called them the three T's, truthful mm -hmm. always, trustworthy completely, mm -hmm and tenacious forever. And if if we will sort of follow that, and you know, uh, uh, I married you and Brandon and half of the kids in Hayesville as well. Yeah, and uh, I always charged everyone. Uh, uh, hardly no one maybe even knows what a charge anymore, but it's a, a, a challenge. And I always charged you all. Uh, in four areas of your lives. And, and uh, one is to embrace the Bible for your guide, mm -hmm. establish a Christ-centered home, engage in an active church life, and endeavor to roll up your sleeves and work hard. Yeah. And if parents will take that charge seriously, parenting will just sort of naturally fall in line. You'll jump mm -hmm. in and do your best for the moment. And uh, I think that will take care of a lot of family problems and it won't eradicate problems or complications in the family, but you have a solid foundation to build your lives on. Yep. I would say those were our exact guardrails. And everything outside of that had a lot of grace attached to it. So yes. I, I would say, you know, one thing we kind of knew for sure growing up is that when we would blow it, which we did on the regular, that you guys were never the Now you, we'd have to face it and own it, known the consequences and all of it, which was good for us, but it, it, it wouldn't stick to us. You, you let us, you let us off the hook once we sort of, um, paid the piper and we moved on with like a clean slate. And that was good. We didn't ever feel like those mistakes were held over our heads or, um, that you were holding a grudge or that it changed the way anybody felt about us or our kind of place in the family. And so I think we had a lot of grace in the family for mistakes and for failures, even while there was still consequence for it all. And, and I would say that our other, yes, that was kind of a standard, mm -hmm permanent yes was just that we had fun and mm -hmm. that was just an open valve at all times that right. whatever it is life's going to be hard and it was we went through a lot of hard things um growing up and and in the family and in transition but um but we're gonna have fun while we're doing it and when we can we're gonna not overthink it or overreact or wring it to death and that was a great way to grow up it allowed things to like kind of roll off our backs and, and we didn't sort of white knuckle everything to death. And we knew that there was always fun to be had. And I think we're kind of adults like that too. Um, so here's another listener question, um, that we fielded. 
Howdy, howdy. This is Morgan from Waxahachie, Texas. And my question for Jen's family is, when Jen was growing up, did you have any idea what she might end up doing with her life? Was there anything about her or um, anything that she was involved in or interested in that gave you the impression that she might be doing what she's doing today? Or were you surprised by it? Interesting that you would ask that. Jen has always been a reader. I mean, we read from the time she was a baby. She was sitting in our laps and we'd read books and she always read and she loved to write. She would write books. I have her first book that she ever wrote, which must have been about eight pages long with with illustrations. And English language was just easy for her. And um, that she is doing what she's doing now yeah, it surprised us, but not shocked us. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think we're not so surprised by it as we are amazed at the uh, scope of of her job and her ministry and her her voice. That that her voice is so widely heard is is always a little bit of a shock to me. But as mm-hmm. far as surprised at what she ended up doing? Not really. And, you know, I have you to credit. I have you to thank for that, for that foundation. And, um, you know, that was, I was exposed to Jesus from the time I was a tiny baby infant. So, um, you know, that really did chart my path and then just fill in a few more, few more blanks. I love to write. I got a lot of words. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here we are. And it is kind of wild. It, it feels kind of wild on, on the regular. I remember one time, um, this was a few years ago. I, Mom, I don't remember if you went with me. I think it was just Courtney. Courtney and I went to, um, I was speaking at Women of Faith and we were in Kansas City. Were you with us? No. I can't remember. I think it was just the two of us. We I was Kansas- working. Okay, that's right. We were in Kansas City at Women of Faith. So this is an arena, which you guys have been in with me before plenty of times. But I mean, this is... Mm-hmm a huge arena and it was full up to the third level. You know, it's, it's 20,000 women. And, um, Courtney and I are sitting on the front row and she just kind of turns around and looks at everybody <laughs> and I'm speaking in an hour and she turns to me and she goes, why are all these women here? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why they are here to, to listen. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, the scope of it is still surprising. Okay. So, um, here's a good question. This is sweet. This is actually from one of our former podcast guests. Hey, mom and dad, Susanna from Round Rock, Texas. The past couple years, I've been inspired and encouraged to watch your family maintain a very close and loving bond despite going through a difficult storm. What is the one storm that's been the most difficult to watch Jen endure? And also, what is the one accomplishment of Jen's that you are most proud of? So just for my listeners real quick, you may remember Susanna. She was a guest in the crowdsource episode of our food series. It was, she had her friends, Elise and Lauren. And and if you remember, they gather every single week for a little girl time and do group cooking. Um, and so they prepare these freezer meals for their three families for the week. Love her, loved them. Um, so I love that she submitted this question. Any thoughts? I'm thinking whatever level you are going through, uh, and in life and the problems you were dealing with that 
you stayed the course, and we used to tell you all, you know, if if you signed up for something, whether it was a ball team or cheerleading or whatever, and, and you didn't like it, or you didn't like the coach or whatever, and you were going to get out, I said, well, remember, you're part of a team, and others are depending on you, and once the season ends or the activity is over, you don't have to do it again, but you always, you always stayed the course. Yeah, I think that was, we were kind of raised in that, um, that you, you finished what you were, what you started. Mom, do you have a thought on that question? I do. There, with each one of you, there have been times that we just held our breath mm. and ached physically and mentally and emotionally for the pain that y'all were going through. And um, every one of you has had a a crisis, uh, some more public than others, of course. But when our kids are hurting and people are not kind Mm. or... um, physical health is precarious Mm -hmm. when things finally kind of settle in I think dad and I both can finally kind of have a sigh of relief Mm -hmm. because up till that time we held that tension with you there was a lot of times we couldn't do anything about it we just those were things we had to um just endure and And then when it was over, it you could feel your shoulders finally settle down and sleep came a little bit easier. And when you woke up in the middle of the night, it wasn't just a, a terror that overcame, particularly me. Larry usually slept through the night no matter what. But mm-hmm. um, I would wake up and, and it would just consume my thoughts. And yeah. there was nothing you we could do except pray. What I always tell people, I'm more like an arrow prayer. I just shoot little arrows up when I think about somebody Mm -hmm. or something. But dad is such a deep prayer. And um, he's a warrior in in prayer. And and so I I always knew that when whatever difficulties any one of you was going through, that while my prayers are are on the spur of the moment and just whenever I think about it and just quick prayers, I knew that dad was uh, solidly praying deeply over each one of you. So, yeah, well, we know that because every one of us has lots of screenshots of these long, 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 long prayers that dad would text us um, in any given moment when either we were on the cusp of something big and exciting and important or we were suffering. Um, having your adult children suffer is something I don't really know about yet, but I think it's going to mm. be terrible. It's horrible. Um, yes, just when you you really can't do anything and mm-hmm. they have to just bear it because they're grown. Um, but yeah, dad's always done that. And you have too, mom. I mean, you both do it in just your own, your own ways. And I think as a grown-up who has suffered in the last couple of years, um, that there's nothing else we would want you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there, that I, I feel like in our family, 
you, you two, our parents did the exact thing to do, which is pray for us and let us know that you're doing it and send us your prayers Mm -hmm. and just be there. Yeah. I mean, I, I've told you a million times and you already know this when my life goes hardcore sideways, when I am just, when I'm suffering or I'm scared, or I just feel like everything is unraveling. Like we've, we've had those moments Mm -hmm. in the last couple Mm -hmm. of years. I just, my car just points its direction to your house and you can't fix it. I don't expect you to fix it. I don't want you to fix it, but just the proximity is it matters. Mm -hmm. It counts. Our family's really good Mm -hmm. at that. Jennifer. Yes. Um, let, let me say that you never stop being a parent, no matter how old your kids get, where they happen to be or what they're going through. We never stop being a parent. And, and, but we do have to get used to sleepless nights. Hmm. And, and there's been a, there's been a, uh, mm-hmm. a number of those with all of you as That's you right. go through different stages of your lives and deal with difficulties and whatever life throws at it. And maybe one of the most helpless feelings that I can imagine a parent has to deal with is realizing that your child is going through difficult times in some sort of trouble and the consequences are playing out and there's not a thing you can do as a parent to help and make it right. Like we could when Mm -hmm. you all were younger, when everyone's children are young and parents can get in and make some things right. The consequences aren't so bad. And that's a, I think that's one of the toughest things on being a parent it's mattered so much to all of us as adults who've all had to recover from something. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all had heartaches and heartbreaks and some of those are private. You know, we don't share our stuff with everybody, but you know them. And some of them were public and everybody knew them. And, um, we've had to go about the business of keeping our faith intact and trusting God to heal our families and our hearts and, um, our communities. And he's done it. And, um, probably the most important thing that you gave us as kids, no doubt about it. I want to, um, I want to talk for a minute, um, about this idea of building our kids up and, and sort of speaking into their lives in a way that, um, encourages them and, and, and raises them up strong. So like we try to do this in our house too. We, we do, uh, we we're we're hardcore conversationalists with our kids. Um, and I would say that dad, you're like the heavyweight champion of raising mm. what I would consider overly confident, um, overly loved children. Um, and of course your, your ideas aren't all cutesy and crafty and precious, like some precious dad. Um, but this is something I wrote about you a few years ago, dad, when I was, we were in the process of getting Ben and Remy home who had obviously suffered, you know, a great deal, uh, up to that point in their lives. And we were, um, in the final, um, days of actually, I think they were already home. They were, they were newly home from Ethiopia. So I wrote this, my dad thought me and my siblings were the most spectacular children ever born to humans. From the time we took our first breath, we were encouraged within an inch of our lives in the throes of teen angst, 
but with no genuine parental grievances to moan about. We complained about dad's long, never-ending encouragement tirades. God, it's so annoying how dad's always affirming us and validating our passions and loving us. Ugh, this house sucks. It occurs to me now more than ever, as we have two children in our family now who've been wounded so deeply by words um, that I have all the tools I need to become a healing parent for them. I learned the most important tricks of the trade, not at an adoption conference, not between the pages of a book, but in Hayesville, Kansas, growing up as Larry King's daughter. So dad, I wonder how would you advise the parents listening um, on being this affirming, validating, encouraging voice in their young lives? I would say you've got to give them direction in life. That's what one of our assignments is to do, is to give you direction in life and learn lessons and what you can do and what you can't. There are limits and we've got responsibilities in, and uh, but yet you don't want to stifle them. You want to give them that space to develop and to grow and to learn and, and, and realize uh, what they do they won't always succeed at and that failure isn't the end of the line. And I think one thing that we did more than anything else, if we got anything right, your mom and I, uh, before we quit being parents or gave up on it, uh, was to get involved in your kids' lives. Uh, You always will have a, a little bit of favoritism with kids because of one thing or another. We favored you with grades. We favored Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Drew with athleticism. We favored Mm -hmm. uh, Courtney because of her independence and Lindsay Mm -hmm. because she was just Lindsay. But is to get involved in their lives, spend time with them, uh, go to the events they're in, uh, teach them fundamentals. If they want to tackle something, help equip and prepare them to succeed in that. I'm thinking here of of uh, team sports, as you can tell. Sure. Uh, but 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 it was more than that. You encourage us in way more than just sports. Yes, to to have fun, uh, to play to win, to. Uh, be your best, but to be kind and compassionate and, and look out uh, for for the others. Mom's already sort of talked about how you all were good about that, reaching out to those that were a little off the wall somewhere and not in the popular in-crowd group. And But Larry, and, I will but, say this. As far as your kids were concerned, you absolutely thought that they were the best at whatever they decided that's, to do. That's and true. Or at least we thought he thought that. He, he always thought that, you know, you should probably go to college on a softball scholarship as a, <laughs> as a shortstop or that, know. you know, Lindsay <laughs> should, um, she was going to be at the time she was going to go into marketing, that she would be the best marketer that ever walked right. out of the door. For each of the kids, Larry, you always thought that they had the highest potential to do whatever they chose to do. And they listened to you and they believed you. We did. It's so true. You know, we've I've said this before and the, the Sibs and I joke because we just believed dad, you know, dad would just sit us down and tell us every single thing right. we got right. 
everything that we did well, every moment that he noticed that we nailed it, which was, you know, exaggerated, certainly. And, you know, we just believed dad. And so we just thought we were all so amazing that it was fairly rude awakening by the time we hit, like, I'm going to say our mid twenties or so and discovered that we were all just kind of medium, (laughs) but we didn't know. We thought we were amazing. And at that point it was too late. We'd already missed the window of insecurity and we couldn't get back through it at that point. And so it was great to be told that. I mean, not that we just want to, you know, obviously there's an extreme to this where kids are so overinflated that they're just nightmare adults. And I don't think, I think dad stopped way short of that. We lived in way too real a household right. for that. You know, we were not, that, that was not our, our way. But, well, and you remember, you remember that dad would also say, however, you missed that ball, yeah, true. you know, that's when true. they hit it and it went between your feet, your, your yeah. glove was not yeah, on the well, ground. Let's unpack the errors also. Um, But there is something really powerful about parenting in such a way where where you are actively looking for something wonderful to notice about your kids. And then you tell them. It's just that simple. And, you know, it's so easy to point out everything they're doing wrong because kids are dumb. And they make a lot of mistakes and they're just growing up. And so it's so easy to notice their faults and their failures and their missteps and where they're like coloring outside of the lines. But it's, it's been, I think one of the most powerful influences on our lives as healthy adults that our parents seemed committed to notice the things we were getting right and making a big deal of it all the time. And so, you know, we, we took that out of childhood and it absolutely provided a stable foundation for us um, as adults to not really be afraid. Yeah. You know, Jennifer, and the, and the base of that is your mom and I were, I mean, intimately and involved in, in everything all of you all did. Uh, uh, it just so happened a lot of it since you grew up at ball fields and on basketball courts and I earned my living building activity facilities yeah. and was always there. And that was the, the environment you grew up in. And that was my right. DNA. And, uh, 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 we were so involved in what you did and we did our best to encourage you and to let you know, uh, you could just be about what you wanted to be, but it took work and effort. That's true. Um, that's true. And to your point, you just, um, one of the things that you invested in us in spades wasn't just words, but it was just time. Yes. And that matters. And, you know, we never felt like we were a nuisance or that you didn't have time for the things we were into or to teach us or to correct us or to whatever. And, uh, and you know, we didn't have a ton of stuff. We yeah. were, you know, somewhere in the middle. Wouldn't you say we were kind of middle class? And um, so it, it wasn't that you gave us so many things, but just the time and the words and the investment and the encouragement, I mean, I think that's the formula for healthy kids. I do. I, I think that's why we, the, we grew up into adults with a pretty stable internal compass and just sort of always knew what true North was, always knew what the non-negotiables were, always had a real sense of who we are and how loved we were by not just our parents, but by God and each other. And it mattered and it stuck. And so you're to be commended. Look, we're talking about how great parents you are all these years later. So 
well done. I'm hoping my kids have two good things to say about me in 30 years. I don't know. We gave you all options. We let you choose. You know, we put the piano lessons and the music lessons and the dance lessons. We let you choose. Now, granted, it was a little lopsided in your choices uh, sometimes, but you were always free to make your choices. That's true. And we did. So two more questions and then we're going to wrap it up, you guys. Um, these are both from listeners. So here's the first one. Hi, this is Sarah from Joint Base Lewis McCord, Washington. And my question for the parents is, so Jen has really changed how I view religion and a lot of, um, societal issues. Um, like race, for instance. So my question is, is has she kind of changed either of your viewpoints on certain issues? And if so, how? And then here's the second question that kind of builds on it. Hi there, my name's Joe. I'm calling from Sydney, Australia. Uh, Jen speaks a lot about the shift that she's made these days um, from the faith that was hers and her understanding of things growing up. I'm wondering how that's been for you guys, as no doubt her spiritual leaders, both in the home and in the church. Thank you very much. Those are really great questions. First of all, we've got to love Joe. We've loved that accent entirely. Joe, Joe needs to start a podcast so we can just hear her voice. But um, so to recap, um, has there anything that you've changed your perspectives on as you've sort of walked alongside your adult children and their shifts? Um, and what has it been like to witness this? And I, I'm really glad that she asked this because I wonder sometimes about this. I wonder if it is a hard for you to watch me wrestle out ideas and, uh, sort of put some new stakes in the ground and, and where I, my faith world. And if that hurts your feelings at all, or if that makes you feel challenged or defensive, or I don't know. I just, I, this is something that I've wondered a lot. And I always want to be really careful about how I handle my legacy, which is your legacy. And, um, so I, I'm, I'm very curious to hear your answers on these. I do not have a whole lot of shifting to do. I uh, grew up in a uh, home where my mom was at a, she was the secretary at an all black elementary school. And I grew up at, in a um, very diverse neighborhood. And then I went to, when I was in high school was the first year of busing. So my high school was very diverse. So I have always been around um, people of different color and different ethnicity. And and then, of course, Mm -hmm. in the world of education, it's just no holds barred. There's there's everybody. Right. And which has been easy for me because I, I love people and I have never had a whole lot of issues with being able to love people for who they are and, and not, uh, what they're perceived to be. But I have also learned a lot from you in that, um, my own responses to what I see have been more reserved than it probably should have been. I used to be before I had 
a family a, a lot more active in those um, roles of protesting or encouragement or whatever. But once I was married mm-hmm. and having kids, it was like I didn't have time. I that was just beyond. And then I was working and and while I know that while I was at work, my um, my attitudes and my uh, openness were very evident to those that I worked with and very appreciated. It was not something that I really embraced as something that I did consciously. And I realized that consciously I needed to be more um, active. And and I think that your voice through these last few years has made me rethink uh what I can do well with others that are um, in need of of just open arms and, and caring. Mm-hmm. Advocacy. Yeah. And and what would you say, Mom, to the to the second question, which is because I wonder what it feels like to watch your kid release maybe some portions of uh, of kind of her faith perspective that maybe she she had when she was younger and embrace new mm-hmm. ones. And, and is that hard to watch? Is that, does that, how does that make you feel? Um, I would say at first it was unsettling. And then the more I listened and the more I read and, um, and the more I just met with people who were part of your changing viewpoint, it was like, Oh, well, I hadn't thought about it like that, and it has has forced me to rethink um, some of my long held views, mm. and, and, and in a good way, in a good way. Yeah, I think that's true. I think we've done that as a family. You know, we've been a part of the same church now for a decade, um, and and really wrestled through a lot of this together. And I I like that, and I hope I hope that when I'm your age that I'm not holding too tightly to anything that could or should or might be up for evaluation or for another look or uh, some sort of um, investigation or perspective I hadn't considered. I hope that I can still be humble enough to do that. What I never want is for you and dad to sort of watch us um, wrestle through ideologies or theology or even like general posture toward a group of people or an idea and, and feel in any way that, um, that I am abandoning or despising, if you will, anything that I was taught or that in the way that I was raised, because that's not how I feel about it. And, and it isn't, uh, I hope it never comes across as, or that you perceive it as like just dropping some really important parts of my childhood and sort of my faith upbringing, um, or just walking away from it because it, it feels to me way more gentle than that, that it's more of a, I'm growing up. I'm, my worldview is expanding. I'm meeting new people and seeing things that I just didn't know. I just didn't have any exposure to, you know, 25, 30 years ago. And, but I hope that never feels disappointing that it's, it's hard to watch your own kid navigate faith in a different way. How do you feel dad? I'm going to say, you know, 
I guess since birth, our family's never been in total agreement on a whole lot of things as we uh, grow up. And certainly as we've seen each of you all, and this would be true of every parent uh, with each of their kids as well, we'll see them grow and formulate we hope to lay the foundation, but then expect them to grow and and develop their own sets of values, but uh, and not to disregard the foundation that was laid for them uh, mm-hmm. completely. But certainly, it will go through a changing process, yeah. and uh, probably me uh, certainly have. Uh, had my perspectives challenged uh, mm-hmm. by all of you kids growing up. Yeah. I have changed probably more in the area, and I was always accepting of other people, but right. more right. so uh, realizing to value them for who they are as a person of worth and particularly mm-hmm. created in the same image of God that we all were yeah. and uh, has changed there, but also like to remind all of you all, while some of the old ways that we, your parents were raised, uh, needed to go, some of those old ways needed to change. They weren't all bad. No, they, they weren't. They weren't all bad, and they gave that good foundation. But that's not to mean that what looks right today doesn't need to be honed and changed and mm-hmm. and adapted for a changing. Uh, time uh, changing culture, which mm. does nothing stays static and you can't remain yeah. static and be relevant. Uh, and that has to expand. And a lot of good has come out of that. Mm. Uh, that's not to say it's all good. It's not to say it's all bad, but change is yeah. inevitable and it's necessary. That's and good. And we still have a long way to go in some areas, and maybe we've gone overboard in others. You know, maybe only time will tell, but Mm, I I think the big challenge is that we just remember to maintain in what we do a a sense of value and worth for every human being, and that uh, God died for everyone. uh, uh, The invitation of God's grace is all-inclusive, but it's very selective in that each individual has to answer for himself. God doesn't have any grandkids. He's just got Mm -hmm. kids. That's good. And and that... uh, Maybe two things I remember somewhere, I think, you know, I don't quote a lot of scripture. I don't know mm-hmm. a lot of it, even though I'm a, a minister, but uh, uh, I usually get it wrong anyhow. So, but I think it's in Psalm somewhere that says a humble spirit and a contrite heart. These are what please God. And I think if we sort of keep that in mind and look at people as people of worth for who they are, uh, uh, and the value that they have, uh, that's probably made more of an effect on me mm-hmm. as we watch all of you kids grow and change your own value systems as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, Dad? That'll preach. And I um, I honestly can't even imagine mm-hmm. where I would be without our foundation in faith. I, I, I don't even have a, I can't even I, I can't even envision that. And so you're a hundred percent right that, um, s- there's so much value there and laid pavement for all of us really that, um, that we walk on today. And I'm just, I just, 
I'm so grateful for my childhood being raised the way that I was. And, and I think that, uh, like we talked about earlier, sort of the, um, a little bit, I don't know if relaxed is the right word, but this very, um, kind of open-handed way that you parented, you did that inside faith too. Um, we never felt, even though you Mm -hmm. were a a minister, you were kind of a rogue minister. We never grew up in a traditional quote pastor's home that was stringent and rigid and scary and punitive. That's just not the faith that you gave us. I mean, I didn't really even know about that. So, I mean, I picked up on that Mm -hmm. from my environment, but I did not pick up on that from my home. Um, you know, you gave us a lot of wiggle room to ask questions and, um, to, to come to understand Jesus in the way that we were going to. And I'm so grateful for that, that, that has served me well in my adult life when I have found myself challenged on ideas and doctrines and, and really, um, able to walk into those spaces unafraid because my faith is in Jesus, not necessarily my own understanding of him. And so that's rock solid. I don't have anything to fear there. Nothing can be stolen there. Um, that is always going to be real and true and good. And so, um, so I'm thankful for that. I hope that we've raised our kids too, that, um, they needn't be afraid of spiritual, of a spiritual quest. And we don't need to be afraid of their spiritual quest. Um, cause they'll, they'll certainly take one. We all did, um, uh, and still are. So I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And I know the siblings <laughs> would say the same. Okay. You guys, one more question. You've been champions champions. This is for sure the longest (laughs) podcast I've ever recorded. And so, uh, one more question from one more listener and we will call it a day because me and mom and Courtney are going shopping. All right, here it is. I'm Laura from Plymouth, Michigan, and I have a one and a half year old daughter, mom and dad. How did you make Jesus real to Jen when she was this age? Well, first of all, we were Good Southern Baptist, so they were. We were at church. You were at church from the time I think you were nine days old. I think I took you, and I put you in the nursery. Totally. I mean, I there there was no putting you, you know, bringing you into. Oh, you were in the nursery. That's exactly right. It was nineteen seventy four so, into the nursery. So you go with hilarious. Jesus was just part of our everyday conversation, and we, I rocked you every night singing "Jesus Loves Me." And, um, it, it was just, it was a natural conversation. It was like, yeah, that was just what we did. And I, and I can't think that there was a time that we really were so, um, deliberate in trying to talk about Jesus rather than it was just our conversations. That's right. And I love that you said that, mom, because people ask me all the time, what devotions are you doing with your children? Or when do you do family (laughs) devotions? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that's, we didn't, you did not formulize this for us, like in a real systematic way. This was just the air we breathed in our home. And, and that was enough and that was good. And that made it feel real and natural and normal instead of everybody sit and listen to daddy read from the holy (laughs) devotion. Well, first of all, we wouldn't have sat and dad wouldn't have done it. But, um, I I think there's something to be learned here in just, just Mm -hmm. letting it be the atmosphere of your home, right? Like that's exactly how you raised us. It's a lifestyle. 
That's right. It, it's a lifestyle. It's not a list. Well, here, I've got to do this and this and this. Uh, we didn't change our lives when we started uh, our quest to be parents. We waited a couple of years to get to know each other. And you were the end result of about a year's worth of hard work uh, before you made the scene. And it was the yeah. same way with uh, uh, your siblings as well. Uh, Courtney was a little bit quicker than normal and Drew was a surprise. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but it, was our, uh, it was our lifestyle and we didn't change our lifestyle. We incorporated you into it and then we fed yeah. ourselves into your lives and, and uh, we let you have that freedom. And we were there. Our home was always a uh, Christ-centered home and we utilized the Bible for our guide. It goes back to that charge. I give when I marry someone, and we had an active church life, and 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 uh, and we all worked hard at what we did. Yeah, and and I think that that's what made it's just the way we lived our lives that made Jesus real because He was a part of basically. Well, maybe he wasn't part of your decision to go joyriding with the ghost, but but he was integral in our lives and the decisions we made. Yeah, that's right. And and I love that. And I think that's, to me, the right way. I think that's the stuff that felt real to us. It just always just felt, oh, this is what it looks like in a real life. Like, this is what faith looks like in real families, um, with real parents, in an ordinary scenario, in a as an actual um, response to something that happened that day. And and that that's the kind of stuff that sticks. To me, it's the real um, sort of religious packaging of it all that can easily right. fall by the wayside. Because it just doesn't right. feel true. It just kind of feels formulaic. And so um, I, I think you gave us exactly what we needed. And I think we were raised in a home full of laughter and love and faith and sometimes curse words. Well, only from um, your dad. I, I've been I've been talking to your mom about that. Uh. Shoot. <laughs> Thank you, mom and dad, for being on the podcast, even though dad doesn't know what a podcast is. And I know that I just, I think my listeners are going to love this. And thanks for all your advice and encouragement. Thanks for just being normal parents. And um, so I was going to tell my listeners where they could follow you. Dad is on um, social media, but I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. Well, your dad will occasionally check in on Facebook, but yeah, not really. No, don't expect anything out of that. Dad doesn't understand how social media works. Yes. Um, and so anyhow, thanks for being on, Mom. Oh, it was our treat and a joy. And, and now your readers understand why we have so many words to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, you guys. Thanks Love for you. all your Love you, too. <laughs> they are the actual best. <laughs> just the best. So listen, uh, we're going to pull together some of the pictures and moments and memories we mentioned, and we will load those up over on the transcript page for the podcast, which is at jentatmaker.com underneath podcast tab. Um, Amanda builds out an amazing transcript page for you. I hope you are using that because, um, it is full of bonus pictures and resources and content and literally anything we ever mention in a podcast, we link it over there in case you need to find it. So, um, 
fabulous tool for you. And Amanda works so hard on it. So in fact, I want to give a shout out to Amanda because um, this whole podcast was Amanda's idea and Amanda's execution. And I don't know if you've heard me say this before, but Amanda, my fabulous assistant, my partner in crime was first my dad's assistant, like 15 years ago, even 20. And so when my life outpaced my capacity and I'm like, I've got to have somebody, I need a person. My dad was like, call Amanda and literally the best decision I've ever made. And so Amanda has now assisted both Larry King and his daughter, Jen Hatmaker, both of us disastrous in our own special ways. And so, um, Amanda was like, basically, if you don't have your parents on the parenting series, I'm going to quit. And so Amanda also fielded your questions and got them into the, um, the podcast. And so speaking of, I want to Thank, thank, thanks so much. Um, all of our listeners who sent in questions and thank you to everybody else who sent them in. And I wish we could have fit them all in. I would also like to thank my partners in crime, my sisters, Lindsay and Courtney for sending in their questions. Hilarious. I literally did not know until today that they did that. Um, and so anyway, thanks for listening for so long with us too. And this parenting series, you guys, we have so much more for you. So you're definitely going to want to come back next week. We have some really superb guests lined up for you. Thank you for being such fabulous listeners. Thanks for being sweet to my parents and giving them some love on social media. I'll make sure that my dad goes to my Facebook page and reads whatever you say, um, or my Instagram account, whatever you say about this episode, because he does not to this day know how to navigate social media. So anyway, you're the best listeners ever. And so, so glad you were here today. You guys see you next week. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.